Welcome to Art, Nature, Science on the Binnaburra Cultural Landscape, the podcast that tells the story of the mountain's natural wonder through art making and exploring the creative spirit and celebrates the history and heritage of this magnificent World Heritage Area. My name is Michelle Walker and I'm joined today by Suzanne Noakes. Suzanne's an adventurer by heart and has been contributing and or leading expeditions to the most interesting of places as diverse as Mongolia, Morocco, the Arctic regions of Norway and Finland, and Antarctica. Moving to Beachmont, southeast Queensland with her young family a quarter of a century ago, Suzanne joined the Lamington Natural History Association, eager to learn more about the natural surroundings of this unique destination. She's an active member of the management committee for the LNHA and holds the position of vice president. She's joined the Beachmont Rural Fire Brigade and is still an active firefighter and administration officer for the Bedesert Rural Fire Brigade group. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to speak to you. And I can see you wear many hats in connection with Binnaburra and Lamington National Park. I know some of the story of you being part of the local rural fire service at Beachmont, which were active during those times in September back in 2019. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience of fighting the fires? Yeah, it was. Um, it seems like yesterday, but seems so long ago, I suppose, only because so much has sort of happened in between. So pretty much um, coming up to the fires of uh, 2019, um, the fire brigade had already been on the fire field. We'd been doing some um, hazard reduction burns um, with Queensland Parks and Wildlife Service just in the local area. And so that was sort of our part, getting ready for the season. We already knew it was going to be a challenging season. You know, we had um, our temperatures were hot. uh, The humidity um, was really low. We'd already come off the back of, you know, a whole heap of uh, drought. You know, the grass was crunching under our feet each time we sort of went out into the fields. Um, So we had already been aware that, you know, this was going to be a challenging season. I don't think um, anyone expected it to be so overpowering, though. Um, Mm. So pretty much on those early days coming into where the fire had actually started to to jump a number of the the mountains behind us and coming towards Beachmont, I'd already been deployed over to uh, Sarabar and into Boona and then sort of back into incident control. And I think the thing that sticks in my mind the most on those, you know, prior to, you know, that faithful weekend uh, where we lost a number of houses in my own street and then the lodge is it was just this apocalyptic orange, you mm. know, so it sort of was quite surreal, I suppose. And it was ash sort of falling on the street. And I was on my way to incident control and sort of phoning the uh, second officer um, who in her wisdom pretty much started the evacuation of our two streets and had also called ahead to the lodge to basically say, if you haven't got your plan in order, now's the time to get it in order. Um, And the lodge itself was extraordinary in how they managed to evacuate and self-deployed so quickly and along with casual walkers and campers and just extraordinary. And so it was sort of like every person was on alert, um, all the streets and the residents and even the postman was uh, getting people to be very active and sort of saying, look, you, this is not looking good, you know. Yeah. So sort of from that moment, it just turned into pretty much a never-ending day-by-day, night-by-night shift back out on patrol, back down dampening fires that would come up because of the winds and the and the strength of the winds. And 
And because we were already evacuated from this area, I'd come back from night shift and would have just a, a slip of paper on, on my sign back in sheet, letting me know which bed I was going to in community at that time and roll out and start the shift again. And then just sort of connect with, you know, hundreds of people in and out of the fire station trucks and the QCWA ladies sort of feeding us from, you know, 24 seven clock, I suppose. It was busy. It was frantic. It was building relationships, I suppose, with out-of-towners. So we had New South Wales crews come through. We had um, people from Canberra. We had people, you know, relieving firefighters all over the place because we were so constantly on the fire field and um, in and out of different fires. And I think I, when I sort of sat down and I was on the fire field from the 14th of August in and out of, you know, shift work, I suppose, and in and out of incident control and, you know, until, you know, Christmas Eve uh, of 2019, That's a long you know, time. like it was yeah, well, um, pretty fast and furious. And intense. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel that that extended level of intensity of alertness and activity must have been fairly draining. It was also, as a yeah, spectator, yeah. quite almost shocking that the fires were so intense so early in the season, like September is a very yeah. early time to be having yeah. that kind of level of fire, isn't it? Well, no, it's 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 interesting because our fire season normally is from August through to October. So it's just that we haven't had that level of drought. We hadn't had the level of low humidity, high winds. So there was all those sort of factors that were becoming an alert, you know, for all of the, the fire brigades within the group. But it wasn't just ours. I think I had read afterwards there were something like 50 fires or, you know, some wildfires sort of happening in southeast Queensland all at that sort of similar time. So it wasn't just focused on us. You know, there was also I'd been called up as far as Cunningham Gap um, mm. and Merivale um, mm. and then on to Esk and Fernvale. And so the realm of, you know, my attention, and I spent over a month in Boona in the incident control, I was actively moving around the region. Um, and it then for the locals, and even still to this day, the smell of smoke, it intensifies memories, you know, like people will ring and they'll sort of say, oh, there's some smoke. Yeah. Are we okay? You yeah. know, so that's even a number of years on, there's still that anxiousness with, within certain, you know, members of, of community. And all hats off to the, the QCWA who really do quite an incredible job of reaching out to people and making sure your, your neighbour is okay. You know, it's being in the fire brigade, we're on to fighting the next fire. So we're yep. We keep on moving on to to fight the next fire, to, you know, to help out with the next storm relief, to to be there, you know. So I'm not saying that the fire brigade people have that there is still some that choke up, and when we talk about the event, you know, they they still feel quite emotional about it. But we have actively moving forward and beyond, and and, and it's hard sometimes for community members, you know, particularly if they haven't got any or close relatives or you know people to assist them with those community groups are just essential uh, to make sure that you know community is resilient enough and have the support and have the reach out you know so you know hats off for for those who who lend that helping hand mm. 
And it's, as you say, it's not something that's taken care of within a month or six months. It is something that can stay with community members for several years. So you're right, those community support systems are so vital. What's been the sort of lasting memory for you from the fires? What resides with me the most, I suppose, is just those uh, new and lasting friendships of, of people who literally just rocked on up and went, we're here. We've got a pool. Uh, you know, we've got this, uh, we've got a tank and or, you know, supporting fire brigade uh, members who had not even heard of Beachmont coming and, and spending hours upon hours, you know, helping our, our community. It's so heartwarming. And I know that in that time, there was a lot of challenges, but it is beautiful to see yeah. everyone helping each other out with everything that's needed. So tell us, you're wearing the hat of vice president as well as being an active member of the Lamington Natural History Association. Tell us about your experience at the <laughs> LNHA and the work that they do. What is it that you think is the great contribution? Oh, the great contribution is just building um, knowledge on the actual value of not just Lemington National Park. I mean, that's the core of our interest, you know, and it's, that's pretty much what led me to become a member when we first moved to the mountain, you know, over 20 odd years ago. Um, this is my own backyard. Um, mm. You know, I've grew up in the country, um, grew up close to a, a, another national park, you know, midway down the Great Dividing Range. So always loved the smell and feel of walk in a national park and this one in particular because it has its lineages with Gondwana and I wanted to know more about it and so the Lamington Natural History Association it's all about building knowledge building interest coming together I suppose with like-minded people and some of our members is just extraordinary on how they can just move through a landscape and because sometimes I move too fast through a landscape and so it's nice just taking the time. Our president Barry Davis has taught me a really really unique lesson on one of the walks that I particularly love when I normal pace it's about an hour and a half. Yeah. When right. I walk with Barry, it takes me five hours right. to, to go through this. And every single step is like, opens up a whole new world. And it's like, that was there, you know. And so from moss to little creatures to larvae on the and underneath the leaves and um, looking under rocks and looking under leaves and looking into an on bark and and you know just sort of just stopping and being aware of mm. nature so I suppose Ellen HA which we lovingly call it connects people with nature mm. and gives them the simple tools of how to enjoy it more um, gives them the access to members' weekends, gives them the access to learned fellows, um, gives them access to other members who have walked through this national park and area for many years, and just to step us through this incredible landscape and national park. You can then apply all of those skills to anywhere else that you sort of wander through, you know, like even for me, when I travel overseas, there'll be still items where I'll go, oh, I know what that is. Or, you know, I've become very fascinated with phasmids, 
so stick insects at the yeah, moment. And yep. so those sort of uh, unique nocturnal insects and and looking under leaves and finding the, the unique spider and um, watching their courtship. So there's those sorts of things has really been an absolute joy uh, for me to be involved with Ellen HA. And I suppose you seek out more information. You know, yeah. like it's, yeah. you just want to learn just a little bit more. You're right, Suzanne. I find it's possible to walk through a landscape and miss so much. And I think what the LNHA can do is help visitors appreciate more of what they're going past and perhaps what they're looking at or could be looking at if they if they understood the value of it. So that's a fantastic role that the group plays. So now I've got some fun rapid fire questions. So the idea is I throw a question to you and just don't think, just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. If you had to sum up Binnaburra in one photo, what, what would it be? It'd be the walking trails. It'd be up into the Tullawalol, into the mm. Antarctic Beach Tree Circle. Yeah, That's perfect. where I would go. What does art, nature, science mean to you? A collaboration of people in nature with nature. Mm, beautiful. And is there anything that you're finding inspiring right now, Suzanne? Oh, just breathing the fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is going to be a big travel year for me. What I find inspiring is, and I just did it recently, is just stepping on to a walking trail, standing still early morning, listening to the sounds of the forest. It's just extraordinary. Beautiful. And so lucky that you're not like well organized, that you're so close and you're a local, you can just go and step onto those national park trails. Well done. Thank you so much for your time today, Perfect. Suzanne. It's been lovely speaking to you. And I'm so grateful that we've had a chance to have this chat. It's been my pleasure. I could chat longer. <laughs> <laughs> we could. And now in this episode, I'm joined by Barry Davies. As a naturalist, adventure guide, activities coordinator and host, Barry was the face of Binnaburra Lodge for over 20 years. In 2005, he became a freelance guide specialising in birdwatching in Australia and overseas. He is president of the Lamington Natural History Association and a former director of Binnaburra Lodge. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'm looking forward to having a chat to you. Would you share briefly about the Lamington Natural History Association and its history and role at Binnaburra? Yes, the LNHA was formed in 1975 by Tony Groom and others who were around Binnaburra at the time. Tony, in episode eight of the podcast series, explained about his uh, trip to America for a, on a Churchill Fellowship. And as a result of that, uh, there were a lot of initiatives that he saw in the US national parks that he thought would be appropriate here. And one of those was the Natural History Associations that many of their national parks have. And so he was instrumental in starting that, the organisation, back nearly 50 years ago now. So we're coming up in 2025 for our 50th anniversary. Yeah, it will be. We'll be yeah. celebrating. So what's its role today? The objectives are the same as they were then which is principal one really, was to encourage an understanding and appreciation of national park values to association members and also, importantly, to visitors to Lamington National Park. So that hasn't changed. How we do it has possibly changed because 
in those days, their principal means of, of doing that was through the environmental education centre that they set up based at what's now Groom's Cottage mm-hmm. and was origi- one, it was Tony's original home because his father was one of the founders of Vinamo. Yeah. The Environmental Study Centre was aimed at school groups, so principally primary school groups. Um, they would come up for a series of activities over the course of a week designed to introduce them to the forest and introduce them to kind of the magic and the wonder of, of, the, of the rainforest. It was very, very successful for a long time. And it was run by the LNHA and had a series of teachers over the years, wonderful, wonderful instructors, including the first one, Murray Browning. And it was, it was just a great success. And, and there was nothing else around at that time like that. But over time, there more schools started to start up their own and other organisations started. But those... Years the LNHA operated it, it introduced hundreds, probably thousands of children to the Mm. rainforest. Mm. And the flow-on effect for that is fantastic because you think about they go home and they have, you know, they talk to their family and their friends and it it was just inspiring stuff. It was, and I, having been a kid in those days, it was very uplifting and certainly gave a sense of the magic of the forest and the park. So what's the role now? What's the primary role for LNHA in terms of how it communicates the values and conservation understanding to visitors? When the National Parks built the Visitor Centre and they operated it during the week, but on the weekends they asked the LNHA to take over the operation, weekends and school holidays. And we've been doing that now ever since and it's been a long time and very successfully. So that has become the principal focus. So we've sort of got away from doing some of the things that we did in the early days, you know, that sort of direct interpretation with with the visitors that I know that you were involved with and a beneficiary of. So one of our objectives is to to get back to doing that again if we can. Mm. And we want to be able to provide walks and uh, storytelling, all of those things that we used to do in the past. And so that's one of our key objectives. And so that will be a focus of a lot of what we do over the next few years. Okay. So I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions now, Barry. Mm. And you just don't think, just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. If you had to sum up Binnaburra in one photo, what would it be? Ah, (laughs) I guess now I'm a grandfather. I, I think all, all of the children sitting in that sitting in the lounge at Christmas on Christmas Eve around Santa. Somehow that when all the people around and all the kids are sitting around Santa and things. For some reason, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, but it is the next generation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking for forward to when the lodge is there again. Yep. Maybe the, maybe the beard might get grown again. <laughs> you get you might get roped in. It's highly likely, um, and it wouldn't be the first time. But I'm really looking forward to having my grandchildren there on Christmas Eve, getting a little present from Santa and singing a few carols, and and because it was, it was always such fun, and it was one of the big biggest challenges of the year for for me as the activities coordinator is. How is Santa going to arrive? (laughs) 
Yeah, it was. I mean, one year we he arrived in a helicopter. I mean, that was. Wow, that was, that's a bit yeah, special. That, it was, yeah, and it was kind of a reward for Santa. Yeah. Worked hard over the years, so. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't you. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah, you know, was he going to come out of a tree or land on the roof of the back of a ute, a Rolls Royce, or a horse-drawn He tried his way up from the cave circuit. <laughs> yeah, motorbike, you know, I don't know. It was just, yeah. So this is a future photo I can hear, a future, a future photo, photo in a couple of years. Fantastic. What does mm. art, nature, science mean to you? Well, art, nature, science. I mean, it's sort of the sum of everything, really. You know, when you when you look at somewhere like Lamington, a national park, that sort of forests and and uh, even the way Binnaburra was with it was a focus on on art over the, over the years, you know, with all the workshops and things we had. But, but I mean, really, it, it's the sum of everything. Think about as you're walking along, I mean, well, this time of the year and there'll be fungi out and things like that. Mm. And, and you look at them and you look at design, you look at, yeah. you look at the, the artistry and, in, in, you know, the shapes and forms. And, yep, the colour um, palettes. Mother Nature yeah. is an incredible artist. I'm... Oh, yeah. I got to do a quick walk really early in the morning before I ran the last workshop in October last year. And I did my favorite short walk, which is up to Talawalal. And it was five o'clock in the morning. It was raining. And I had the national park to myself. Mm. So I took, I don't know, 50, 60 photos and just the forms and the dripping of the rain on the foliage and the color of the fungi was amazing because it was October. It was warm enough for that to come through. So, yeah, which reminds me about all those beautiful scenes that I've had the, the good fortune to mm. see over the years. Mm. I mean, I've been out there in every weather. And one of my favorite scenes is when you're coming down on the, the loop track back from Tullawalal on the western side there. Yep. In an, an afternoon, usually in summer when it can get a bit misty, and and you've got the the shafts of light coming down, yeah, through through the trees. I mean, that's so. I, I always tell people that if you're doing that on a Tullawalal circuit, you go out on the border track and you come back on the loop track on the western side, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the opportunity is is there to see what is it. I think of one of the great spectacles in the park. Yeah. Yep. And the same thing when you're out, you know, in the higher altitude and you've got all that phytic mosses hanging down from the trees and, you know, the light striking those on a misty day is mm -hmm. it's kind of beyond special, really. It is. And I just think about all that incredible knowledge inside your head there, Barry, in terms of all those years. If we could download that camera app into, into something, mm. wouldn't it be magnificent? Yeah, but I wish. What a fantastic <laughs> thing to hearing your story and hearing about your experience connected to Binnaburra and to Lamington Natural History Association. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I'm, re I'm really looking forward to, yeah, the new Binnaburra, Binnaburra, mm. when that's finished. I know it's not going to be the same. It can't be. I mean, it, physically it can't be the same, and it's probably, which is probably a good thing because having something purpose-built will be very special. and. I'm just really, really hope that the will is there to recreate the atmosphere. Mm. 
it was there and the community yeah definitely and that sense of community yeah Yeah. definitely the warmth yeah that that was so special yeah yeah and uh and i'm you know very looking forward to you know contributing to that is whatever way i can and uh so that's I guess that's my <laughs> final word. Fantastic. Well, let's that's, give uh, a plug to the LNHA. So people yep. can get involved. They can jump on your website. Yes, they can, which is lnha.org.au. And, you know, you can join as well as we have four members weekends a year. And on those weekends uh, are really good fun. Yep. And uh, we have a guest speaker on Saturday morning. This year we're focusing on research in the park, getting researchers to come and talk with it, with a view to us getting more involved in iNaturalists and those other you know data re- information you know recording programs, and then we have uh, a walk in the afternoon and then a bit of fun at night time. We we have you know like board games specifically designed uh, around the theme of the weekend <laughs> and, and a dinner and and those that stay around for the Sunday morning can really get involved in weeding in the park <laughs> if they want or or a walk yeah. so and then fantastic and then this this year in may we're having an accreditation program which goes for a whole weekend so the national parks service will be running that they'll have speakers and things to train our volunteers to work in the visitor center yeah get organized before may i'm looking forward to it i'm going to be there so thank you barry thank you very much for joining me this morning and having this conversation i've really enjoyed it well thank you it's been my pleasure the producers and artists on this podcast acknowledge the traditional owners of the binnabara area and the lamington national park the yugambeh language group we also thank Catherine slingsby for the podcast theme music an excerpt from her piece sweet dream 